You're listening to the Douglas Jacoby Podcast. Here we bring you some of the material found on Douglas's website in podcast form. We hope that as you listen, you're challenged to think about faith. Today, Douglas continues his series on last things. Now looking at the general resurrection. For more on this episode, follow the link in the show notes to Douglas's website. Want to win a chance for a free tour of Israel? From March 1st to June 8th, Douglas's new website subscribers have the chance to be entered into a draw for a free tour. There are two ways to win. You can become a new website member or ask a friend to sign up. Then email confirmation of the subscriptions by replying to Douglas's newsletter. There's no limit to the number of entries. Sign up five friends, be entered five times. The winner will be announced in early July. Now here's today's teaching. The General Resurrection. This podcast is on the resurrection of the dead. Not referring to the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but to that of all human beings, the righteous and the unrighteous. This is also called the General Resurrection. This builds on the previous podcast, where we learned that the dead are in a waiting place. No one is in heaven or hell yet. One reason is, we don't go to our ultimate destination without a body. Let me just clarify a few matters before we jump in to this much-neglected topic. When Jesus Christ came back to life, his resurrection was unique. Technically speaking, no one had ever been resurrected before him. I I hesitate to use the word resuscitated because that that, that makes us think that someone wasn't just dead. He just needed uh, uh, to be uh, given CPR or she needed to, to smell the smelling salts. But there are people raised from the dead in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, quite a few in fact. And yet Jesus' resurrection is not like that of Lazarus or Tabitha because his body is now of a completely different nature. They didn't come back to life with uh, supernatural powers. And in time, they died again. Well, we'll come to uh, an explanation of how his body was different uh, later on in this lesson. And that'll give us a clue as to how our bodies will be transformed at the end of time. So, the unique resurrection of Jesus from the dead the specific resurrection, is not the same as the general resurrection, at which time all human beings will rise to meet God. The doctrine of the resurrection of the dead is downplayed in Protestant religion especially. Very often the physical is set in opposition to the spiritual. What counts is our soul, not our body. What counts are spiritual needs, not physical needs. So people say. I'm not so sure we can make such a distinction scripturally. Whether this has to do with our ministry to the whole person or whether it has to do with our own bodies. The body is not something to be denigrated. The body is good. And one day our body will be transformed. Yes, the Bible says we'll get a new body. And yet, a recent survey indicates that two out of three Americans do not believe they will have a body in heaven. I used to think this way. I remember very well 
It was the end of 1980. I was at divinity school. And I got into an argument with a Roman Catholic seminarian. Bernie said, we will have a body. I said, no, we don't need a body. It's just the spirit. Then Bernie started quoting scripture at me, which I didn't like very much because I knew I was right after all. And then he was referring to the church fathers and how the early church believed our bodies would be resurrected. As I recall, it was a very long discussion, or should we say argument. Of course, back in 1980, I knew a lot more than I know now. (laughs) The truth is, he was right. I was wrong. As Protestants, and I realize many of you listening to to this podcast are not really Protestants, but I think would identify most with that theology. Uh, As Protestants, we tend to overreact. In the biblical view, the material world is good. The body is good. Genesis 1.31, everything God created is good. It's only that sin has corrupted the body and the world. We don't need to escape our bodies. We simply need to be renewed, resurrected. The ancient Greeks sometimes spoke of the body as a prison for the soul, the soul which was trapped inside what was no more than a corpse, something irrelevant to our ultimate or eternal existence. But once again, we don't need to escape our bodies. We need simply to be renewed, to be resurrected. Let's consider the resurrection of Jesus because this is at the heart of our study. We're familiar with 1 Corinthians 15, where Paul insists that the gospel message is the death, burial, resurrection, and appearances of Jesus. That's in the first five verses of the chapter. Certainly we believe in Jesus' death and resurrection, but most of this section actually focuses on his appearances. They're important, as the passage continues uh, to, to develop, Because they show that Jesus did have a body. He wasn't just a spirit. He wasn't just a phantom. No apparition. So Jesus was resurrected in a body. What was it like? Well, the Bible says he was the first fruits. And I want to come back to that in a moment. Let me read a section from a little bit farther on in the chapter. And all of these... uh, Passages uh, that are cited are in the notes that accompany uh, the podcast, along with suggestions for further study. So I'm at 1 Corinthians 15, 47. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. And here, uh, Paul is talking about Adam versus Jesus. As was the man of dust, so are those who are of the dust. And as as is the man of heaven, so are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we also bear the image of the man of heaven. What I am saying, brothers and sisters, is this. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I will tell you a mystery. We will not all die, but we will all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. 
Here, Paul speaks of a time at the end, I would say the end of time, but that's probably not accurate, at the end of the world, when we will be transformed. We will not have simply a flesh and blood body. It's not that we will be resuscitated or put back together like Humpty Dumpty. No, something very different is happening. In fact, we will be like him. We will be like Jesus. In Philippians 3, 20 and 21, we read this. Our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject everything to himself. So the scriptures teach that our bodies will be transformed, not just transformed into whatever we want. Some of us would want to become Superman, Superwoman, Spider-Man. You can pick your superhero, but that is not the idea because our hero is Jesus Christ. And it says here that our bodies will be transformed into the likeness of his glorious body. 1 John 3, 2 contains a very similar thought. Well, when will we receive that new body? When Jesus returns to the earth. We don't receive it immediately when we die. We only receive it when he returns and we're resurrected. Our bodies are resurrected. Well, again, looking at Christ's resurrected body as the key to understanding this transformation, we learn many more things. For example, when he's speaking to his disciples in Luke 24, 39, he says that they're kind of skeptical. They're, they're really wondering what they are seeing. Jesus says, look at my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see. Because a ghost doesn't have flesh and bones, as you can see I have. Well, Jesus says, I'm not a ghost. Now, whether the Bible teaches the reality of ghosts or not is a different issue. We'll take that up later. But in popular thinking, a ghost is a disembodied spirit, spirit of a dead person that's come back to haunt the earth. And Jesus says, I, I'm not that. You can touch me. I'm solid. He walked and he talked throughout that chapter. He was recognizable but not always recognizable. Several times people failed to realize who he was, and he even seems to have deliberately disguised himself during the walk on the Emmaus Road. He had breakfast with his disciples, John 21. He ate food. But also we see in John 20 that he walked through a closed door. The door was closed. It was locked for fear of the Jews. And yet he walked right through it. Now, this is not the kind of body that I have right now, though I think of all the times I clumsily walked into a door or a window without paying attention. It would be nice if I could just pass right through it. But no, I'll have to wait before that transformation. Not only this, but after the resurrection, Jesus continued relationships where they had left off. Relationships with Peter, the apostles, 
marry, his family, with everybody. We see that in John 20 and 21. So it doesn't separate him from the living. That is, uh, it's not that he'll be in a new state of existence impersonally. No, there are still, uh, there are still relationships. Now, this is a key passage. 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty. But now, Paul writes, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Paul is making his argument in this chapter that Jesus truly did rise from the dead in a body. Apparently, some people in Corinth were teaching that the body was not important. Paul is saying the death, burial, and resurrection are the heart of the gospel message. And it's an actual physical resurrection. That's why so many people saw him. Christ is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. That means he went first and we follow. What happened to him is going to happen to us. Not that we will ascend to the right hand of the Father. We're talking about the subject the scriptures develop. And that is the resurrection of our bodies, their transformation. So Jesus goes first and we follow. This may be hard to grasp, but let's look at a couple more scriptures. Let's learn more about our resurrection bodies. I'm still in 1 Corinthians 15, starting in verse 35. But someone will say, how are the dead raised? What kind of body will they have when they come? Foolish one. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And as for what you sow, you're not sowing the future body, but only a seed, perhaps of wheat or another grain. So what is Paul saying? That our earthly bodies are the seeds of our spiritual bodies yet to come. Now here we get hung up. We say, well, a spiritual body, you mean a ghost. No. A body on our planet, in our current existence, is flesh and blood. It's a normal biological entity. At the resurrection, our bodies will be spiritual. That doesn't mean they won't have any physical aspect. It doesn't mean that there'll be no solidity to them, that they're just some kind of ectoplasm or or plasma or, or, or vapor. But they're spiritual. There's still a body. In other words, there's still a place where we'll be. Contra the teaching of the Hindus and the pantheists and the New Age followers, we're not going to be one with the universe. We're not going to be in the universe in every part of it. We'll still be located in a certain place. So we'll say, well, there's Douglas there. Martin is over there. This is Mary. She's here. Elizabeth, there she is. So we're not just uh, diffusely spread throughout the universe, nor do we become one with the cosmos. There's an actual body. It'd be hard to have a meaningful relationship with others if, if we were all the same thing. Continuing. Have you, let me just ask a question. Have you ever planted a seed and watched the event, the transformation? I I can think of science experiments when I was a kid. I can think of 
seeds we would buy uh, and plant in our garden. It's an incredible transformation. Uh, uh, Paul's notion of a seed is very appropriate. Think of an oak tree, how powerful, how mighty. And it comes from a small seed. We call it an acorn. I don't think any of us looks at an acorn and without ever having seen an oak, imagines exactly what this thing will look like in 50 or 100 years. They are connected. There's a continuity. Yet it's far from obvious that that acorn will become this mighty tree. It's a transformation that takes place. There's a continuity and a discontinuity. Of course, it's nothing we can do for ourselves. We can't resurrect ourselves from the dead. It's all the grace of God. And there's no way we can take these matters into our own hands. I think of a, I think of a limerick. Uh, there once was a pious young priest who lived almost wholly on yeast. For, he said, it is plain. We must all rise again. And I want to get started at least. Of course, that's a ridiculous idea that we would add yeast to our bodies so we could rise. And really, we should laugh at that because apart from God, this is impossible. Now, some will wonder, well, what if, what if my body is cremated? Did you know the early Christians even considered that possibility? It's not in the Bible, but it's outside. And they said, in effect, that it is no problem for God to bring back all the constituent parts of our body, whether they've been burned, eaten by wild beasts, or even eaten by one animal that was in turn eaten by another animal. They said that it's much uh, less of a miracle for God to reconstitute the body, to transform it, than it is for him to create it in the first place. And so, uh, certainly, unless we're living in that last generation, our bodies will be in a state of decomposition at the time of the last trumpet, at the time of the resurrection. There's nothing we can do to effect this change ourselves. It's an act of God. When I say continuity and discontinuity, that may sound uh, a little bit uh, convoluted or a little bit technical. But let me explain what I mean by that kind of connection. If you uh, hold your hand under a bright light, there'll be a shadow cast on the floor. The shadow will look like the hand. There is a connection. Now that shadow is not the hand. The shadow gives you an idea of what's between it and the light. But the truth is it's only a faint idea. The shadow only gives us a general idea. Well, on this earth, though we are solid, not shadow, our our bodies stand in a similar relationship to our resurrection bodies. There's a continuity. There's a connection. But seeing the real thing, the thing that's causing uh, what we see right now, is going to be something unanticipated, even though we know it's coming. Paul says, so it is with the resurrection of the dead, sown in corruption, raised in incorruption. Sown in dishonor, raised in glory. Sown in weakness, raised in power. 
sown a natural body, raised a spiritual body. If there's a natural body, there's also a spiritual body. And so Paul is not saying that we'll have no body. He's saying that our natural body becomes a spiritual body. There'll be no more corruption, no more decomposition, no more dishonor. It's a glorious body. It's some body similar to Jesus. And I know we can get carried away with this, but just think of the things that Jesus did on the earth before his ascension, the things he did after the resurrection. I don't know how far we should run with that, but although he had a body, it was certainly not exactly the same as the body he had before. He was not a disembodied spirit. Well, as we've mentioned before, we receive this body when Jesus returns. We don't get it when we first die. Well, what practical application is there for us? Is this just theology? Of course, I, I take some exception to the question because I think theology, well, good theology should be practical. If it's not practical, someone's made a mistake. It's always practical if it's done the right way. So what is the application? Well, I think one a clear one is that we should treat our bodies with respect. Uh, we don't just eat junk uh, and live a lethargic life, uh, pump our bodies full of chemicals and, and give no thought to what will happen. Our bodies are good. Everything God created is good. And we don't j- discard the body. We don't slough it off, off like a snake getting rid of his uh, skin. We're going to still have our bodies when we die. I know some of you are wondering, well, am I going to weigh the same? What age will I be? <laughs> in, the, in the Middle Ages, people presumed that, well, Jesus was about 30, so we'll all have the body of a 30-year-old, even children. Well, obviously, they're going way, way beyond what is written. No one knows. But that doesn't mean that, oh, because I don't know, my body doesn't matter. I can treat it with disrespect. No, we need to, uh, we need to uh, treat it with, with honor. It's something God has created. I think this is also important uh, because it reminds us of what's yet to come, something to look forward to. The resurrection, although it takes place at the second coming of Jesus, after our deaths, after our time in the intermediate place of the dead, Hades, yet the resurrection precedes what I understand will be most of our existence. We may live 60 or 80 or 90 years on the earth. I don't know how years are counted on the other side, but the picture I get is not that different to the one we get in that hymn, Amazing Grace, when we've been there 10,000 years. And the hymn says basically we're only just beginning. So we have something to look forward to, something to encourage us, uh, to keep us motivated in serving the Lord. And this, in fact, is Paul's conclusion as I read 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my dear brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the Lord's work, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Paul says, those who die are not lost because they will come back. We, all, we will all come back in our bodies, resurrected in glory. If this is a new thought, 
I pray you'll study it further and just see how central and vital the doctrine of the resurrection of the dead is to Christianity. We hope you enjoyed Douglas' series on Last Things. For additional notes and resources, be sure to check out Douglas' website in the show notes. The website has hundreds of articles, podcasts, and videos for you to access for free. You can also become a premium subscriber and gain access to thousands of online resources from Douglas' teaching ministry. Thanks again for listening.